Hey guys, we get to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's again a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best friends of ourselves as we can, as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, you guys can find the podcast on YouTube and anywhere else you get your podcast. We're just so thankful you guys are here uh, and that you guys are with us today. Okay, so we're actually in a series right now. So if you're just now with us, we're glad you guys are here. Um, but we are actually on part three today, which, I mean, it's been great feedback. People are excited about this series. Um, this has just been such a great study so far. Um, so we're on part three of a Boaz and Ruth series. And so what we're going to do today, we're actually going to look at Ruth chapter two. We stopped last week in part two um, in chapter one. So we're going to do chapter two today, but it's going to be a little bit different. If you've seen part one and two, it's more, let's walk through the text. Let's really see what the text is trying to bring out. And we're going to do that today. Um, but you're going to have to listen to the prequel. So before part one, um, I believe it's called, um, Does Anybody Care About My Cup? Okay. So if you go check that episode out, if you want like a more of an outline, this is what was happening, this is going on, walking through the text, that prequel is going to cover basically all of chapter two. So I didn't want to do chapter two again and then just kind of rewalk through it. Um, so go back and listen to the prequel so you can really understand uh, what's going on a little bit. Uh, but what I want to do today, since we covered basically all of chapter two in that prequel, what I want to do today is give you guys some real life application and principles that we can use from chapter two. So going to listen to the prequel is going to be really important uh, before you listen to today's podcast, okay? So we're going to do Boaz and Ruth part two. We're going to call this one The Encouragement, okay? I'm so, I'm so excited about this one. This is going to be really good. There's really a lot here, and I think this is going to spark um, post this. I think this is going to spark a lot of conversation. Um, I think we're going to have a lot of good dialogue back and forth, which you guys have already been fantastic at that so far um so we're gonna we're gonna have more so i look forward to to doing that with you guys so boaz and ruth part three the encouragement so remember as we ended part two we looked at how naomi and ruth were on their way back to bethlehem right they're on their way back to the house of bread now as they're on their way back they start to come at the beginning of the barley harvest when they can begin to pick for themselves when they get back uh, to Bethlehem. But remember the darkness that we looked at, remember in part one, how dark things were from Naomi's point of view. She calls herself Mara now. I want to I just change my name to bitter because my life has been so bitter. All I've seen is death, pain and hurt. And I don't want Orpah and Ruth. I don't want them attached to me. So I just want to do this thing solo. Remember, we had a lot of application on that. Um, so now we're going to get into chapter two, and here's some principles that we can learn from chapter two about the encouragement. Isn't it interesting how as dark as the book started, which again, I think based off our conversation that I've had with a bunch of you guys already, a lot of you guys could relate to the difficulties, uh, the hurt, the pain, the unknown, the questions um, you know, the situations, all those things are different from everybody. But from what I got from you guys, it's all the same. All of you have seen a lot, you've been through a lot, or you're going through a lot right now. So this is why I said, I said before, all of us are going to be able to re relate to Naomi. It's just a real thing. And say Naomi was a real thing that was 
it was difficult to be her at the time. And it might be difficult to be you right now or to be you in the past. And so as we look at this more, I love how you're going to start to see uh, you're going to start to see a switch. So there was so much darkness. There was so much death. There was so much despair and and wilderness. But now you're going to start to see the scales kind of go up a little bit. And this is why we're calling this part three, the encouragement, because here's kind of our first application, just as me and you are talking right now, the first kind of application that I see just originally, just before we even read anything in chapter two is as things start to switch and as the encouragement starts to come, it's interesting. You think when you're, when you're so down bad, when things are so hard, when you have so many questions, when things aren't lining up the way that you want them to line up, it's very interesting that we feel like that valley is just there to stay. And it's like, we'll never get out of that. It's like, you'll never really get an answer. You'll never really understand really, right? You'll never really get why you're going through what you've gone through or why you've gone through what you've gone through in the past. So it feels like the more despair and the more darkness and the more hurt that you've seen, it's almost like you're digging a deeper hole for yourself in the valley that you're already in. And so when, once we stay there, we feel like, man, this is the lowest of the low. How can things get better from here? And what's so great about the book of Ruth is as dark and as despairing as things can look for you with God, it's never over. Okay, that's so cool. That's just the first thing. And and I know you guys have been there and I've been there to, to such a place where you feel like I don't see a path. I don't see a way. I don't see an answer. I mean, there, there was one time, guys, driving back home. And I think I've told this on the podcast before. I was driving to work one day and I have to go through a couple back roads um, to get to where I'm going. And as I'm going through one of those back roads one of those days, it had just rained the night before and it was really humid the night or the, the morning after. And as you're driving, it's still raining. And as I'm going through, I know the road, right? I know where I'm going, but I literally can't see anything. I can't see the car in front of me. I can barely see my headlights. I can't see who's behind me. And sometimes as we're walking through and journeying with God, imagine how Ruth and Naomi feel. The Lord, especially from Naomi's perspective, I'm a Jew. The Lord said he'd always be there. He loves us. He's going to take care of us. He told us that he's our God. But as I'm traveling this road, it just seems to get darker and darker. And the God that says he's so close, the God that says he's not far away, the God that always professes his love and compassion and his mercy, the God that says all that stuff, why does it seem like to me he goes farther away after each instance? After each disparity, after each death and pain and heartbreak and month and year and week, why does it seem like he goes farther away from me? So it's almost like in your mind, your picture of God is almost tainted because you can read scripture, you can hear a sermon, you can hear somebody say something or preach something, you can hear a great song, you can hear all these things and you hear about the goodness and the mercy and the love and compassion and how God loves you and he gave his son, John three sixteen just for you. But the more you live life, the more you're who you are, the more you see what you've already seen, it's like that doesn't apply to me. And that's why Naomi, before we get into chapter two, that's why she said, this doesn't apply to me. Don't even call me my Jewish name anymore. 
my God-given name. Call me bitter. And maybe that's where you are right now. That's real. That is a real thing. But now, as, as dark as it gets, now there's some encouragement here. Okay, so here's the first thing that I'm seeing here as, as we look at this and, and we'll break this down more as we conversate and we really get into this together. Here's the first thing that I'm seeing. Here's the first principle, well, technically the second, but here's the first principle that we can that we can learn that I saw from this text in Ruth chapter two. Here's the first one. Surrender means you accept God's will, whatever he should choose but you lean into hope and into expectation. Okay, I don't want you to miss that. I actually read, I got this from a book that I actually used to help kind of get these principles together. It's a great book called In the Fields of Grace, and it goes through the book of Ruth and and some Jewish detail. Really great book if you guys can grab it. It's like seven bucks. But don't miss what, what was said. Surrender means you accept God's will whatever he should choose, but you still lean into hope. So now think about it from Naomi's perspective again. Call me bitter. All I've seen is death. I don't want Ruth and Orpah near me. I just want to do this on my own. So in her mind, because of all that she's seen, she has surrendered. Now what she thinks she's doing potentially and what you and I do, if she's doing the same thing you and I do, then she's probably doing this too. We think, since we've seen so much, well, I guess this disparity, this hurt, this pain, this valley, I guess this is God's will for me. So I'm just going to accept this and change my name to bitter. You see, a lot of times what we do, guys, is by our eyes and what we've seen, we tend to become bitter instead of leaning into hope. And I know this is, a, and uh, trust me, I, I will be the first to admit, I don't, I'm not even close, not even close to having this down, but I'm little by little, I'm chipping away at it. I'm chipping away. I, I guess I'm starting to understand the concept a little bit more of, of waiting on the Lord. Biblical waiting. I don't know where this came from for me. Maybe it was just how I thought about things, but I used to think biblical waiting for anything for God himself, for something, for for anything else. I used to think it was basically almost by chance. So you're waiting, you're doing the right things, and then the next day, by chance, something would happen. Or by chance, what you prayed for would just show up. Or by chance, a situation would happen, and it's right there. I used to think that's what waiting was. You know, you remember Isaiah chapter 40, uh, verse 31? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So, okay, that's that's biblical waiting. So I'll just wait like that, and I'll just wait, and I'll just hope that by chance things just kind of line up. I get that because that's, that's what I used to think. But I think that's the wrong type of surrender in a sense. Here's what I mean by that. If we focus on God helping us walking through the valley, right, Psalm chapter 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, right? If we focus on just, well, by chance, maybe today's the day. By chance, maybe this month's the month. By chance, maybe this year's my year. If we just do that, we're not, we're not expecting. We're just, we're just hoping for chance. So that makes God almost like a God of of partiality and of chances. So when when we look at 
surrender. Surrender is understanding. If this is where God wants me right now, I understand it. If he wants me to be in this state, even though I don't get it, even though it doesn't seem fair, even though I can't see the way, if this is where he wants me right now, I accept that. But then we stay there. That's what I'm saying, guys. Where we are, we just stay there. So Naomi got to the point in chapters one and uh, all of chapter one, she had gotten to the point where she'd seen so much and she just accepted it. Well, I guess this is God's will. So I just got to suffer. Just call me bitter. You know, maybe you might be there right now. You've seen so much. You've been through so much. Um, things aren't lining up the way you want them to line up. And you've just kind of accepted. Well, I guess this is God's will. And then you just stay there and you sulk and you get mad and you get bitter by the year and by the month. And then you just you just have a false hope of waiting for something. And as you're waiting, we're not improving. And then we're getting mad at God. Where's the expectation? Biblical waiting is not on the expectation of you getting what you want or what you think you might want. Biblical waiting is the expectation that as low as I am right now, as dark as things are right now, as difficult and how many answers that I don't have right now, I have a high expectation through faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, I will have a high expectation that in whatever way he decides to work, God is going to move. And I will be the first to admit, guys, I've been in, in places as you've been in places where things are difficult, things are hard, things are tough. And instead of having a high expectation that whatever way God decides to help you, he's going to help you out, you don't expect God to help you. And that's where we get stuck. So Naomi here is is stuck. The Lord's not going to help me. What does she, she kept saying in chapter one? The Lord has dealt bitterly with me. So that's how you might feel right now. The Lord has dealt. The Lord doesn't love me like that. He's dealt bitterly with me. He's done with me. And that's what you might think literally right now. But this is why we're calling part three the encouragement. Because notice with Naomi and then getting into Ruth and Boaz, we're going to see as you lean into expectation, you're not hoping, well, I hope God, I hope God lines it up so I can do this. I hope God lines it up so I can be with this person. I hope God lines it up. So you don't even have an expectation. You just know God's going to work. That's it. Simply. That's it. You have no details. You have no expectation of him. You just know my God the house of bread, the manna from heaven, he will work. I don't know how, but I have a high expectation that he will. Look at this real quick. Look at, uh, ooh, there's so many places. Uh, look at look at uh, Romans 4. Let, yeah, let's go there. Romans chapter 4. And I want to look at a quick example of Abram before we go back to uh, Ruth chapter 2. Um, look at Romans chapter 4 because this gives a great a great explanation. So remember, and this this helps us too with our conversation. So remember in Genesis 12, God gives Abram the promise that you will have a son. Now, Abram's old. Sarah's Sarai at the time. She's old. They're past childbearing age, but you're going to have a son? Okay, so that's the promise. Now, Romans chapter 4, let's begin in verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. 
before him who he believed God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be as though they were, who against hope believed in hope. You see, here's what we tend to do. We tend to reason the things that are happening around us. Well, is this is this my time to make a move, right? <clears throat> is this my time to do this or that? Which I get it. So think about Abram. God said in Genesis 12, you're going to have a son. What did Sarai in Genesis 16, what does she say to Abram? You know what? God's taking too long. It might be that you might have a son through Hagar. So why don't you go sleep with her? So what was Sarai doing? She was trying to look at signs going around her, and she was saying, well, since God's not moving, maybe this is God. Maybe that's God. Maybe this is God. Maybe that's God. Instead of just trusting God. Please don't miss that, guys. And I know how easy it is to, to look at things and be like, well, maybe that's God. Maybe that's, maybe that's. So that's what Sarah did. It's taken too long, and it's not like we're going to get younger. So you know what you should do? Go sleep with her, then we'll have a child. You see, now they, they went off course. Instead of looking and seeing, is that God? Just believe God. What does the text say in verse 17? It says that Abram believed God. Did he believe God in the way Abram wanted it to happen? He just said, I believed God. And as, as hard as that is, and I, and I think, at least for me, I think the reason why, <clears throat> I think the reason why simply just believing God and just believing in an expectation that God's going to work on your behalf, I think the reason why that's so hard is you don't have control. You have no control over the timing. You have no control over the people. You have no control over the circumstances and situations. So when you say, when Abram said, I believe God, and I hoped against hope, verse 18, Abram didn't have an expectation, well, God, I want you to move, but can you move this way? Can you move with the people I want you to bring into my life? Can you make this situation go? Can you make this happen? He didn't come in with any expectations, and that's where we fail. We come in with expectation because in our minds, well, that's God. And then we go with it, and then we figure out, like Abram and Sarai did, uh, that wasn't the move. So then, just like just like Elimelech, when he left the house of bread, Naomi said, man, I hear that they have bread now. So it's hard because you don't have control. You have no control over it. So now look at this, verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. Verse 19. And being not weak in faith. Now, this is crazy. Being not weak in faith, Abram considered not his own body, which is now dead. So what it means by dead there in the text in verse 19, dead from having children. So naturally, a man that old is not supposed to have kids. It's just not supposed to happen. A woman that old is not supposed to have kids. It's not supposed to happen. But Abram said, God said it, though. Like, I know it's not supposed to happen. I know mankind says it's not supposed to happen. I know maybe my friends said it's not supposed to happen. Those that those that I'm leading are saying that it's not supposed to happen. But God said it. 
So even though the whole world says it's not supposed to happen, but God said it's going to happen, I don't know how, but it's it's going to happen. That's what Abram. That's what Abram said. So for us, I know things are hard, and this is the application for me and you as as we're just talking and studying together. Man, I know things are terrible, and hard, and and difficult, and um, and frustrating, and um, it's almost like you're just in a in a state of just unknown. Like I I get it, like and that's that's a frustrating spot to be in. And it's also, in a sense, frustrating for God not to tell you the details of how he's going to work. So when God doesn't give you the details, you try to fill in the, in the blanks. And you try to give details. And here's, here's the catch. You try to make details. Maybe this is it. Maybe that's it. Maybe this is, I mean, this is coming up. This is coming in now. This is, this is it. Is it or is that you just making details? So now as we look at it, we have to be honest. That's what growth is. Growth is being honest with yourself. And so Abram, he wasn't weak in faith. He didn't even consider his own body, which was about 100 years old at the time. Neither did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief but he was strong in faith giving glory to god being fully persuaded what god had promised in genesis 12 he was able to perform it so i think the reason why we make up details we try to fill in the blanks for god we try to paint the picture for him we try to um we try to um write the narrative for God in our lives and the things that we want to work and that we want him to bless in our lives. The reason why we do those things is simply because we don't have enough faith that he's able to perform. So we have to make up something in our minds that seemingly right now seems to make sense. And then we go for it. And then guess who we say it's, it's God's will. You see, we got to be careful. Abram could have done that. Well, actually, he did do that. He went in. He slept with Hagar. He had Ishmael. Now he had problems. But when he learned, Abram said, I'm not going to come into this with an expectation that I want God to do this or that. I'm just going to believe what he said. And what did God say? You will have a son. And what did God tell us? Matthew chapter 28. I will be with you until the end of the age. I'm with you. Do we believe that? Do I believe that right now? Do I believe in the confusion, in the valleys, in the darkness, in the frustrations, in the same thing you're seeing year after year and month after month and week after week? Do I really believe, even though I don't have the details, the answers, the way, the solutions, do I believe that God's going to perform in Jordan's life in whatever way that he, he deems necessary? Do you believe that God is going to perform in your life in whatever way he deems necessary? Or are we going to work behind the scenes and try to make up the details as we go? We can do that, or we can do what, Ruth, what Naomi's doing in Ruth chapter 1 
And maybe we're here too. Maybe we're just playing up, giving up. I'm done. I'm done. You just call me bitter. I'm out. Let's get some encouragement. This is why this is why the book it does a masterful job in building us back up. So that's kind of the first principle that I want you guys to see as we talk and conversate and, and try to encourage each other is yes, we want to surrender and accept God's will, whatever that is. And right now it may be no answers. Right now it may be being by yourself. Right now it may be uh difficulties. Right now it may be all those things. But as those things are happening, don't let go of your hope and your expectation of God. Now, real quick, we saw Abram. Now let's let's take it back to Ruth. Now let's let's give us some context about Ruth at the time. Now let's think about Ruth, and we're going to be introduced. Well, in the prequel, we were introduced to Boaz. So let's look at it from their perspective. So think about if you and I are Ruth right now. Just lost your husband. You have nowhere to go. You left your home, and you're going somewhere where you're not going to be accepted. What's the last thing Ruth is probably thinking about right now? I need another husband. Why, why would she want that right now? I'm sure in society, just to, to have a man around at the time, because of how low-class women were viewed at the time, I'm sure there was some type of desire to have a man there, but What's the last thing I'm thinking about if I'm Ruth right now? <clears throat> last thing I'm thinking about is marriage because you're still mourning. You're mourning leaving your home. You're mourning leaving your sister-in-law. You're, you're mourning leaving your husband's body in Moab. You're, mo you're, you're, you're moaning that right now or you're mourning that right now. And then as you go through it, and as you go through it in the the tears, and I don't know if you've ever heard like, a groan and a moan, like, like a painful one to where someone can't even cry, but it's just like a, it's a scary thing, man. I, I can't describe it, but it's just like, it's this noise that comes out of your body where it's just, it's not even a, um, it's not even a tear. It's just kind of like a, it's a groan. And I've seen, I've seen that in mothers. I've seen that in and, and women, I've seen that, and it's a, it's a different thing, and it, I hate to see that because that's a different level of pain. So I, I think of Naomi and Ruth in that position, and what's the last thing that I'm thinking about right now? Marriage. But God's thinking about something different. Think about it from Boaz's position, guys. So from Boaz's position, now, this is something for you to study on your own, but the text doesn't specifically indicate that Boaz was married before, but let's give two scenarios so you can, um, you can kind of paint this picture for yourself. Okay. So scenario number one, verse one says, Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth, right? Of the family of Elimelech and his name was Boaz. Now here's the situations. Scenario number one, with Boaz being a wealthy man, at that point, a wealthy man is older. He's an older man. Not like old, like 50, 60 old, but maybe maybe 35, 40 older. So now being older, it's very unlikely at this time that before he probably was married. It's very likely that he was married before. So imagine if that's the case, not saying that's true, but let's just say it is. If that's the case where Boaz was married before, 
and he lost his wife, what's the last thing on Boaz's mind? I'm not trying to be with anybody. I already had a wife. I'm just trying to build my wealth, stay here, work, take care of the people that are here right now, and just serve. And just serve. But think about it on scenario number two. Even if he, even if he never had a wife before and he'd been single this whole time, and he's single up until his, his early 30s, early 40s, maybe early 50s at this time, what's the last thing on his mind? If it, if it didn't happen now, if it didn't happen by now, it's not going to happen. So you know what? I'm just going to focus on my work. Now, for the ladies that are listening, are you Ruth right now? Where you've seen so much and you're in something right now that's difficult, whether that's a difficult marriage or a difficult family situation or a difficult individual situation. And in your mind, you don't even have expectation of the future. You have no expectation of hope. And you also have no expectation that God's going to move on your behalf. Now, you might say the right things. I'm praying about it. I'm working on it. Oh, I'm, I'm doing this. But you're doing all the good, all the right things, but you have no expectation of God. So women, is that you right now? Are you in the same position as Ruth is? Fellas out there that are older, maybe younger fellas too, but specifically since Boaz is older, are you in the same situation? Maybe you're a widower. You've lost your, you've lost your wife. You have no expectation that God's going to help you in whatever way. Could it be another person? Maybe. Could it be another way he could help your family? Maybe. But either way, you have no expectation. God's not going to help me. I'm, a, I'm in despair. Why would, I, why would I worry about God helping me with this right now? I'm just going to work. I'm just going to focus on me. I'm just going to stay over here on my own and do my thing. Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe it's you on this side, fellas. You're older. You're single. Nothing has happened basically since you, you were a teenager. Nothing has happened all up to this point. Now you're in your early 30s, going into 40s, maybe going into your 50s. And you're in your mind thinking maybe what Boaz was thinking. If it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. So I'm just going to focus on, on, my, on this money. I'm going to focus on being kind to people, and I'm not even going to worry about it. Do you have any expectation that God's going to help you? Now, is there anything wrong with being single and doing your thing? No, Paul did that. We, we had those examples. But you have no expectation. God's not going to do anything. Isn't that interesting that from Boaz's perspective, potentially, and Ruth's perspective, potentially, isn't it interesting that potentially both of them surrendered and they both thought from Ruth's perspective, this is God's will for me just to suffer. From Boaz's perspective, this is God's will for me just to be by myself. I'll just accept it. And isn't it interesting that God took two people with those potential mindsets and brought them into a union that they didn't even expect? You know, that's if you look at Scripture, normally that's how God works. And it's a beautiful thing. And he takes two people that are, have been in two difficult situations and he brings them together non-expectedly. <laughs> it's that's amazing. And I don't I can't say because I don't have the authority. I'm not God. I can't promise. Well, God's going to do this for you and give you this and God's going to make this happen if you just keep reading the book of Ruth. I don't have that authority, so I'm not going to tell you something that I can't do. But also I don't know how the Lord's going to work for you 
or provide for you or or change things for you or or work on your behalf. I don't know how he's going to do that. But the main point of what I'm seeing here is you just have to believe that God's going to work on your behalf. I can't give you the detail because that'd be wrong for me to do. But we have to have that expectation that no matter what is happening, and I don't know how God's going to do it, but the Lord's going to work for me. But I got to keep trusting him, loving him, reading his word, getting in his word, changing myself, continue to get better. That's what I can control. But the way that God's going to work, I don't know. But I, I expect and I hope and I wait. And in the waiting, I will be strengthened because I know God's going to move. So that's the encouragement that I can give you right now, guys, that as we're listening and conversating right now. The encouragement I can give you is God, God's going to move and he can move. But what do we have to do? Just like Abram, we can't be weak in faith. We can't stagger at the promise. And we have to be fully persuaded. As dark as that hole looks right now, and I know y'all been in some dark holes. Everybody has. We have to be fully persuaded that God can perform. Don't make up the details. Just let them work. Let them work. All right. <clears throat> Man, this is... This is good stuff right now. I, I needed this. Do y'all need this? Does this make sense so far? Right? This is this is why I love this book. So, again, just quick plug. Go listen to the prequel because that's where we kind of go verse by verse in chapter 2. So, I didn't want to cover all of chapter 2 again verse by verse since we did that in the prequel. So, this is why today the encouragement is more principle and application heavy based because we covered most of 2 in the prequel one. Okay. <clears throat> so, here's the second one I'm seeing. Second one I'm seeing is, ooh, this is good. Ooh, this is good. Here's the second one. With God, always leave your mind open. Okay? <clears throat> With God, always leave your mind open. Now, <clears throat> this is, again, like I said before, there's many principles that we can take out of this that don't have to be in a relationship context. But because this, a, this is a relationship book, here's a relationship context application. So, <clears throat> you know, when I talk with older couples or older couples are, you know, talking at church or if I just meet an older couple, you don't have to bring it up. They'll bring it up of how they met, right? Either the, either the husband will, or the wife will, they'll bring it up of how they met. And most times, at least in my experience, the wife will always say something like this, um, I'll ask, like, how did you meet Bill? And um, she'll say, well, when I met Bill, I wasn't even focused on Bill. I was I was focused on Adam over there. I, I wanted I wanted this guy. And we were actually dating at the time. We were actually engaged at the time. We were in a relationship at the time. So I wasn't I wasn't focused on on Bill. And so then the conversation keeps going and Bill's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's right. You know, she wasn't focused on me. She was over there. And so now as as they continue talking, I said, well, how did you guys get together then if you were if you were over there, if you were focused on other things? And then she, you know, she would always say or the wife would always say, you know, inevitably, <clears throat> either the engagement broke off, they broke up, something happened. 
And then the, the way that they saw the husband now was in a different light because now their mind was open to him and vice versa. His mind was open to her if he was doing the same things. So in our minds, when we work hand in hand, as we journey and walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Psalm 23, as we walk through that with God, as Ruth is and Naomi is, and as we're going to see, and as we've seen before, as Boaz is many times because of the things that aren't working currently and that haven't worked in the past, then we close our mind off to how God can work now. So it's very easy to close your mind off because you, in your mind, well, there's no way that can't happen. There's, there's no way this is going to work. No, I don't believe it. With God, you always have to keep your mind open. And if you come into things with God, with a personal expectation of how you want it to turn out and how you want things to work, you're always going to have a level of disappointment with him because you're going to say you trust God. You're going to say you're going to pray. You're going to say you're going to ask for wisdom. You're going to say all the right stuff all the time. But in the back of your mind, God is going to be number two and your personal expectation or desire will always be number one. And at some point, you're going to want God to line up with your personal expectation. So here, here's a great example. <clears throat> Going back to um, Abram, look at this. Look at Genesis. Um, let's go to, it should be chapter 25, I want to say. Yeah, that's it. Look at, um, no, that's before. That's before. This is the beauty of study, right? Finding where finding you where you want to go. Ah, there it is. Genesis 22. There it is. <clears throat> Genesis 22. Now, think about Abram's expectation. Remember, we just looked at that. And again, we're going to go back to principle here with, with Ruth and Boaz here. But remember when Abram said he was going to have, or God told Abram he was going to have a son, right? Genesis 12. Then Romans 4, we see the things that Abram did. All that hard work, he waited 25 years for Isaac. Isaac is finally born. And as Isaac is born, the expectation is, I've waited so long for this. I've gone through valleys for this. I've made mistakes through this. I've sinned through this. I haven't done right through this. My son that you said, God, would finally be here is here. And in Genesis 22, what does God tell Abram to do with that son? I want you to sacrifice him to me. Wait, what? I've waited this long for this son. I've gone through. You said you promised me this son. But now I want you to notice how Abram's mindset is a little bit different than it was in Genesis 16. Watch this. Look at um, look at Genesis 22 and look at verse uh, verse like, ooh, like let's start verse three for context. So Abram rose up early in the morning. So this is after God told him to sacrifice his son. Abram rose up early in the morning, went on his donkey, two of his young men with him, Isaac, his son, and he got wood for the burnt offering and he rose up and he went to the place that God told him. Verse four. Then on the third day, Abram lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abram said to his young men, abide here with the donkey. Watch what he says. For I and the lad talking about Isaac, 
for I and the lad will go yonder to worship and we will come back. Wait, what did God just tell him to do? God said, sacrifice your son. So what did Abram, Abram think? Abram kept his mind open. Why am I sacrificing this son? God, you hate me. God, you, God, you don't love me. God, you tricked me. God, you deceived me. See, that's what we would say. Make it personal. That's what I would say. I waited this long for, for, for this. I waited this long for this job. I waited this long for this opportunity with this person. I've waited this long for this opportunity, and now you're just going to take it away? God, you tricked me. God, you deceived me. God, you, you're, you're playing me. This is a game to you. But Abram didn't say that. Abram believed the promise. So he said, we will come back. Because what did Abram have now? I have faith that the Lord is going to protect my son. Amazing, amazing. So now verse um, um, now verse 8, look at, look at this too. And Abram said, well, Isaac asked him, where, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Verse 7. And Abram said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. Why didn't he say that we're going to go up there and we're going to sacrifice you like God told me to? Abram had such faith that he said, I don't know how God's going to provide this lamb. I don't know where the lamb's going to come from because we didn't bring one on this three-day journey. But because I trust God, Isaac, I don't know what he's going to provide and how he's going to do it, but God is going to provide himself a lamb. But me and you are going to go. And as he was willing to sacrifice his son, an angel stopped his hand. And God says, now I know your heart. Abram kept his mind open. You see, many times walking with God, we... Me and you, we try to get too detailed with him. God, this job's got to be this. God, this person's got to look like this. God, it's got to be the right, it's, it's got to be this. It's got to line up with this thing. If it doesn't line up with this, God, that's not going to work. How many, how many blessings, how many people, how many situations have we not even considered and thrown away because in our minds, well, that's not what I thought it would be. That's not what everybody else wants for me. That's not what they say is right. That's not what you see with God. You listen to other people for counsel. I'm not saying that you don't listen to listen to wise counsel. You don't listen to parents. You don't listen to grandparents. You listen to wise counsel. But you got to keep your mind open with God. Because what God wants for you, what if everybody else doesn't want that for you? So here, here's the thing, but how do I know it's from God? And it's not my, my personal thing because with God, as we're going to notice with Boaz, Boaz wasn't a project. Boaz was already doing the work. Boaz had a godly foundation. Boaz already loved God. She didn't have to change him. That's a whole nother wormhole, ladies, we can go down with you trying to change somebody to who you want them to be. You see, here's the thing about guys, just, just to give you a quick thing, and then we'll keep going. Sometimes what we will do as guys, we will do whatever we have to do to make sure that we're with you. So if I have to love God, hey, I'll love God. 
I'll go to church with you. Yeah, I'll do this. But me and you are good, right? Me and you are together, right? We're back, right? You see, instead of, instead of taking on those things, you need to understand if this is from God, he's already doing this or he's on the path for this. So now as, as we look at this, Abram here is understanding he always kept his mind open. So now going back to the book of Ruth in Ruth chapter 2, the beauty of this older, and a lot of times when we look at this book of, of Ruth, we assume that Ruth and Boaz are younger. This is this is young love. Based off of Jewish history, this is old love. <laughs> well, I don't want to say old love because I would put me in that category. This is middle-aged love, right? This, this is this is middle-aged. This is not young. So now as, as we're looking at this, you have two entities who potentially feel like it's over, who've already been through bad marriages, who already haven't had the right partner before, potentially. There's no way God can, there, there's no way. You see, whatever your situation is, I'm not saying that you're not smart, that you shouldn't understand the reality of what's going on because what's going on is real because it's actually happening in real time. But the God that we serve, guys, uh, I can't even put it into words, but the God that we serve, like Ephesians says, he will go, he will go above and beyond of what you could even ask or think. I couldn't even, there's some situations in my life right now that I couldn't, I couldn't have drawn it up. Like there's no way I couldn't have drawn up certain situations, great situations that are happening. I couldn't have drawn it up, but it's happening maybe for you too, but we just got to be careful. And with God, he can do above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And for Ruth and Boaz, God is going to do above all that they both have ever asked up to this point or thought of what could be. So I know things for you in your marriage, in your home, in your relationship, in your work, whatever you want to put there. As you serve God, because all of this is about serving God, as you serve him and give your life to him in his service, never give up that hope of expectation. Don't let anybody or any situation or any person take that hope away. Don't let them take that away because God fuels that. Okay, Does that make that makes sense. Right. I hope that makes sense as you and I are going. So here's here's a third and final principle that I'm seeing from chapter two with 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 Ruth and Boaz as they meet. Again, I've covered all this in in the previous podcast, so please go back and read all of chapter two before we get into three next week. So here's a third principle that I'm seeing. Don't bury your future because of your current fears. Don't bury your future because of your current fears. Now, quickly, look look back at chapter 1 real quick and look at verse 20. Uh, 20 and 21, to get more context. So she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, 
for the Almighty had dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full early chapter one when she went out with Elimelech and, and her and her boys. I left here full. Interesting. I left here full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi, seeing that the Lord has not only dealt bitterly with me, he's testified against me, and he's also afflicted me. So look at the three things that Naomi admitted herself about God. God, number one, has dealt bitterly with me up to this point in my life, whatever age you might be too, or this is what you might feel. Number two, the Lord has testified against me. He's done this for everyone else, but he hasn't for you. Actually, things are actually worse for you. So there's something that God has against you. And then number three, the Almighty has afflicted you. He's just haphazardly not making things happen. And actually, it's it's almost like God wants things to be harder for you. Does that, does that sound familiar? Does that sound like the inner voices in your head right now? Don't bury your future because of your current fears. So all this emotion, like we talked about in part two, what is all this that Naomi's talking about? She's just scared. And if, and if Boaz, if a man said this, guess what? He's scared too. That's all it is. It's just fear that the Lord has forgotten you. Isn't that real? Do you feel that? You feel like in some circumstances and in some ways you're, you're forgotten. The Lord's forgotten you. He's testified against you in some manner. He's afflicted you in some manner. And he's made you bitter in some manner. What Naomi was willing to do at this point, Naomi was willing to bury any potential future of the Lord working because she was so scared because of what her current situation is. And where you are right now, whatever you're going through, you may have already been to your own funeral. I don't want you to miss that. You may have already been to your own funeral. And to be honest, at this point, you still might be at the gravesite. You've buried your future. Too many things have happened. Too many people have said things. You feel hurt. You feel bitter. Things aren't going well. Things aren't like you thought they would be. And so you've already buried it. And in your mind, you folded everything up. And in your prayers, you'll say all the bad things that have happened. And there's no expectation that the Lord will move for you. And we'll stand there at that site. And we'll just look at who we could have been. And you know who's happy to attend that funeral with you? Satan. <laughs> because he knows if she doesn't believe in her current situation right now, if she doesn't believe that God can move and God can do abundantly above all that she could ask or think as she serves him and lives her or his life for him. If, if I could put doubt in her mind that the Lord doesn't care about you like he does about your friends, 
Lord doesn't really love you because he would have done something by now, right? You're old now, so it's, so it's not like the Lord has a blessing for you, right? If I could just get her to doubt herself, if I could get him to doubt himself, if I could get him and her or her to doubt the love and the power of God and the guidance of God, even through the valleys, me and you will just stay at this funeral and we'll just keep digging a, a, a bigger hole because in your mind, because of, because of my marriage, because of where I am, because of what's not working, because of all these things, even with God, I don't have a future. Does that sound familiar? Is that you? Are those your conversations right now? And what I, what I want to be able to do with the scripture as we, as we kind of close these thoughts in Ruth chapter 2, I want to wake you up. I want to help you to realize the reality of what you've gone through and the reality of your choices. I'm not going to I'm not going to be some spiritual genie and say that's not real. The reality of your choices, the reality of who you're with and what you've done is real. Okay? And I'm not going to pretend that that's not real. The reality of it is real. But here's also another real reality that we've buried just like Naomi did that the Lord still works come into it with an open mind that anything literally can happen think bad things might have to happen that actually turn into good things think about think about it from Ruth's perspective my husband died that's bad I love that Ruth loved that man Naomi, my husband died. But what does that lead to? It led to a, another man, Boaz. Leave your mind open that God can do whatever he wants to do. Don't come into it with a, with a detailed, planned out, this is how it needs to happen if I'm going to go for it. Keep your mind open with him. And we're here to wake you up to know that what God promised because when God said, when he walked the earth, when God said, I'm with you to the end of the age, guys, that's not something sweet that you just put in your house when you walk in the door. That's not just a, a screensaver that you can put on your phone. That's not just a nice sign when you walk into the church building and you see it. That's a promise. And as bad as things look because of our choices and because of how things are, we have to be like Abram and Ruth and Boaz. And we have to be fully persuaded in whatever way he deems necessary through pain, through trial, through loneliness, through hard nights, through long years, through whatever it is that God, we are fully persuaded that even through that, my God is still able to perform in whatever way he deems necessary. What, what an encouragement. You see why we call part three the encouragement? It's been so dark up to this point, and now we need a level from Naomi's perspective, from Ruth's perspective, and now Boaz, as we saw in all of chapter two in the prequel, as Boaz meets Ruth, 
guess what all three people have now? Going into chapter three, all three have encouragement. And I hope that as you've listened to this podcast and as we've, as we've conversated and studied, that you have it now too. That there's a future. Don't bury it. That God is with you if you keep your mind open to the things and the people that are around you. And lean into hope. Surrender to God's will, whatever that will is currently. But don't let go of that hope. I really hope, man, that's encouraged me. Like, if this doesn't help anybody else, that's helped me out. <laughs> it's helped me out. Like, I needed it too. So I, I hope that, you know, as we continue to study this and 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 walk through this and conversate through this, that um, this can give you a level of encouragement that you need, that somebody kind of understands. And there's some sympathy and empathy here as we walk through um, the book of Ruth together. So again, I appreciate you guys for your support of the podcast and this series and and reaching out and 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 the DMs and and all those things. I mean, again, if you haven't reached out, reach out. It's great. Love to get to know you and talk with you. And it's just been um, it's been an amazing study. And this has been a fun ride on the podcast. And I can't wait to 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 do more with you. So um, that is part three: Boaz and Ruth, the encouragement. So Lord willing. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we'll be back on Monday with another podcast. Thanks, guys. Love you guys.